When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moreno, all welcome into your Wednesday on SENZ. It is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast at five past six. And uh, Izzy, how was your mm. Waitangi day, bro? What did you end up doing? Morena, Rick Dog. Yes. Um, oh, mate, it was a great day, actually. I got up early and went to the gym. It was good to be able to do a class at around 6.30ish. So, yeah, went and sweated out some uh, some treats. Well, not really. Got the day off to a good start. And then, uh, what did I do yesterday? I, first time we took the um, Tilly's Pony down the river Ooh. and took her for a nice little uh, ride and took a wee picnic down there. And uh, that was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I'd get into the old <laughs> horsey, horsey life, but Tilly loved it. My son absolutely hated it because he had to walk, but uh, <laughs> that was all right. <laughs> I had to carry him on my shoulders. And well, this horse got a little bit tired after a wee while. Um, but yeah, just a day out with the family, mate. It was it was quite odd having a having a day off in the in the middle of the week, particularly for for Waitangi Day. But a good day out, mate. Plenty happening. What about you? What did you yeah, get up to? Yeah, much. Well, didn't ride a horse down to the river, but uh, much the same. You know, sort of hung out with mm. the family. Uh, we went out. We went out and had brunch. And um, then, you know, sort of tutooed around home for a bit. And then um, I had to do a bit of work on the show, obviously. So Rach took Alaria out to the beach. They went to PR for a few hours. And, mm. yeah, I just uh, managed to crack into some crack into some work and uh, do a bit of tidying around the house and just chilled out, basically. I, I'm a big fan of four-day work weeks, to tell you that much for free. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking, should I come out and say that? But no, you've done it. And you've just said what I was thinking. It's great, mate. We're at Wednesday already. And just, just on there, is, is Rach similar to Daisy in terms of uh, in, the, in the fact of I get nominated mm. with no input, no say whatsoever mm. to be a parent helper? Oh, yeah. At school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you get nominated all the time? Oh, yeah. I got sent on school <laughs> camp last year, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Did you – you didn't put your hand up and say, I'll do that, darling. You just found out? I found out. Yeah, I'll put you down for school camp because you can go. I don't want to go, but you can go. and It'll be really good for you <laughs> and be good for Laria to have you there. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, then. Sounds good. When's yeah. this happening? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's happening to me. All of a sudden, I find out on Friday I've got to go down to the beach and, and be a, a, t- a parent helper at the beach for beach day. Oh. So the kids are having a hell of a week. I think they've got a picnic, some picnic today, and then on Friday they go to the beach day for speech safety, and I've got to wander around with me, with me puku hanging out. But, um, yeah, that's that's what's happening. And I only found out the other day that I'm doing this. So I was just thinking, man, I wonder if Rick Dog's in the same yeah. boat. We just get – look, I, I don't mind. I don't mind. But I'm like, well, why, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, I've, got, I've got things to do, Israel. Go get my nails done and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But, anyway, that's, that's what's happening this week. Big – Kids are back at school, and uh, there's uh, you know plenty of help to be had. And then you know we'll be chipping away at this, mate, because yesterday there was plenty going on. Mm. We had the Phoenix grind out an 
a, a nice draw. Well, it was a tiring-looking draw against the Central Coast Mariners. We'll be talking a bit about that. And then we had the Black Caps, mate, um, who are in a pretty convincing, confidently lead at the moment against the uh, underwhelming um, South African protest. So plenty happening. And I got rivered in a multi Ooh, again yesterday. You? What happened? Tell yeah. it, talk us through it. Talk us through it. Ah, you want to know? Okay, so I had a three-legger. You can't <laughs> bring it up and then tell us. I know, I know. I had a bonus bet because I got a bonus bet because if you take a four-leg bonus bet and you miss by one, you get a, a mega buster coming back. So I had a bonus bet and I put it on uh, yesterday's race day at uh, Tauhirini uh, Nikau. And I had in race four, I had a top three at Rabega. It came third. That paid two bucks. And then at race eight, I had Sign of Peace. That came third, and that paid $1.90. Mm. Well, in the main race of the day, I had, in race seven, I had Magnifique. And you remember last year when we talked about Magnifique? Well, yeah. this thing has riveted me twice. I think it was Christmas Eve or, or the 23rd of December it raced, and it won its first two by eight lengths. So it was a hot horse, paid $1.70. Well, I took it again yesterday for a top three. It came fourth. And uh, it was paid four bucks for a top three, so I would have got paid plenty. Town Crier actually won that race yesterday, so that's a that's a good horse. But um, yeah, that was my day. I'm just forever getting rivered, mate. <laughs> getting rivered. I didn't. I I stayed away. I stayed away yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I've still got money in my back pocket. So that's good. I'm happy <sighs> about that. Happy about that. I can't do that. Oh, mate. Well, let's get into this, eh? Round one. Fight. It is the triple threat, the three big questions of the day. Rumours coming out of Australia, not even rumours, Joe Manu's been talking about it. Mm. Maybe he'd like to come back and play some rugby union, play for the All Blacks. Um, first thing I thought is, like, has he not talked to Roger Tuivasa-Shek? <laughs> what do you think, uh, Is he? What's your immediate take on this? I think it'd be a great move. I, I think when you, when you talk about Roger, and I've been open about... This conversation is Roger was never given a chance. Yes, he was given a chance to play, but I feel like Roger was never given a chance to play his position. Roger predominantly played in the outside backs in league, and there's a lot of similarities to playing on the outsides to league and to rugby. You know, ball in hand, space, you're not really in a, a distributor unless you're playing full back. You get the ball, you run. Roger's biggest asset is his footwork and speed. When you're playing in 12, you're very limited. You, you get very limited opportunities. You've got to be a bit more of a distributor. You're in the line for your defensive dominance. And um, that, that was kind of where, where Roger, I feel, was let down. Chuck him on the wing where you don't have to really kick. You get the ball, you run, you score tries, and you open teams up. For Joey Manu, I think he could definitely make it in, in rugby union. Going from league to rugby, I feel like is a bit more challenging mm. than going from rugby to league uh, because rugby is similar to league in the fact, but it's got no rucks. There's no real rules that are that are based around offsides, ruck entries, um, you know, breakdown. Structure, basically, yeah. Structure. There's, it's just a lot more structured to league. Mm. So him going from league to rugby, I feel like could work. And I feel like it could work in the entirety of the backline positions. I could see him playing 12. He's a big body, and he's defensively very good. He plays a lot at centre, so he's got to be a distributor, a link man. So him going from league to rugby and playing in the centres, I could see it working. But also, I can see him being dominant in the outside backs. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that makes me go, who's the attack mm. coach at the All Blacks now? The same guy that I think mismanaged Roger mm. and Leon McDonald. And that, Leon McDonald. You know, I mean, Leon may have learned from that, you know, maybe. But yeah. I, I would certainly have big question marks over it if I was Joey Manu because, you know, you saw what's happened to Roger Tuivasa-Shek. He pretty much played very little football in the last two years. You don't want to yeah. be in that position. No, you you don't. And, and that's always the risk, you know, when you're, when you're making a change. He played a lot through high school. So did Roger. Roger played a, a lot through high school. But Roger played a lot at, in the outsides. So if Joey Money comes over, he's got to be staunch. He's got to be demanding on, on where he wants to play. If he wants to play at 12, that's his position. If he wants to have a crack in the outside, you give him a crack. What Roger, uh, what, what Joey Money wants to do, don't say you're coming in, we have very limited players at 12, we've got a stacked outside back uh, contingency, you have to play 12. And that's what I feel like happened to Roger. They had no 12s, he was the guy that had to fill that void, and it didn't work. Um, so yeah, Joey's got to be demanding on, on when he comes over. If he comes over, he ain't going to be leaving the Roosters. He's been pretty adamant about that. He is a, a tri-colours through and through. Um, but if he comes over, you've got to give him into a position that he feels like suits him. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I think 12. Or you chuck him in that fullback and give him a crack. Where would you want to see Joey Manu play? Double eight, double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, do, do, a, do you think he'll work in Union? Do you want him to switch? And B, if he does go to Union, where do you mm. think his best position is? Let us know. Double eight, double three. We've already heard from Mark, who, uh, morning boys, the best bacon and egg muffins are at the Quick Kiwi Park House. Uh, in the 03. That is from Mark. We didn't ask that question, Mark, but I love the <laughs> recommendation. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got me I'm feeling. Now. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Round two. Uh, Izzy, I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday, mm. um, Roger Goodell, who is the NFL commissioner, laughed <laughs> off claims that the NFL had scripted the romance between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift to allow the pop star to use the Super Bowl to bolster support for Joe Biden in the presidential election. <laughs> Um, I, that is a real long bow to draw. So I got me thinking: what is the most random sporting conspiracy you've ever heard? I'll tell you one thing: the mm. NFL and Roger Goodell aren't aren't angry that Taylor Swift is circling. Like you have to think the impact she's had on that sport, mm. and you know all the conspiracy theorists will be out there going <laughs> saying this is all part of the gag, and the NFL are putting one in, in, in Travis Kelsey's back pocket. But um, yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a happy man now. Um, for me, I, I've been a part of one. I've been a part of one. I don't know if you remember 2016. Yeah. When there was a listening device found in the All Blacks oh, yes, uh, meeting right. room in the seat. In the seat. Well, I was playing in that test, and I, for one, I did not know that our rooms got scoped out by a security team from top to bottom looking for listening devices. Well, they actually found one that week, and it blew up. It absolutely blew up, and there was a war of words back from the Australians. We were blaming the Australians. Australia were blaming us that we planted it. And it was this whole big conspiracy. And as players, we're thinking, what the hell's going on? Like, who would want to listen to Steve Henson absolutely spraying us and talking <laughs> talking down to us? So it made no sense. So um, that was probably one that blew up out of proportion. From uh, And the reality is, it came down to nothing. I think it was a seat. Someone was trying to listen to some important meeting, but the reality is that listening device had been dead for years. And right. uh, the security team found it. And then the Australian police tried to blame the security guy for 
for making his CV look good and him planting it himself and creating and wasting police uh, resources. So it blew up, and I'm really good mates with that guy, Andrew, um, my, my good mate who's uh, a part of the security team, and yeah, I think he took it quite personally. But that was a conspiracy that blew up that I was a part of. Yeah, what about you, mate? What have you heard? Well, there's been some crazy ones. Oh, mate, there's been all sorts. There's been all sorts of, of, of crazy uh, conspiracy theories over the years about about different things. A lot of it uh, to do with referees mm. and which referees are given which games and why mm. they're given these games and things like that. But, uh, yeah, nothing to the extent of the NFL has engineered a relationship between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift so that Joe Biden can get elected as president. Yeah, that is crazy. Look, don't get me started on conspiracy. We can go down the line, the nine eleven World Trade Center's uh, <laughs> hole if you want to, but um, no, we won't go there. And just quickly, oh, I read last night about, do you remember the 2009 mm. Bloodgate? Yeah. With uh, the Harlequins over in uh, the Premiership when the doctor ran on and to wait, may one of the players bite into this fake blood coming out of his mouth because you've got blood in your mouth, you get to go off and you can replace it with an already sub player. Yeah. And the, and the doctor went out and made this player bite this blood and it poured out of his mouth and then that player had to go off. And I think Nick Evans came back on for the Harlequins so they could try and win. He got fined $250,000 uh, pound. So it was a big fine, but that was pretty crazy, I think, the extent that people go to to get players back on. Yeah, well, there was one, and I'm trying to remember which league it was, and I think it might have been in South America, maybe in Argentina, where um, a goalkeeper uh, basically had a a, a, a razor blade uh, and cut himself, cut his head. Um, and went down clutching it and claimed that he'd been hit by something thrown by the cra- from the crowd so that they would get oh. the points. They'd get The game would be abandoned and his team would get the points. <laughs> would you get? Would you do something similar? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, mate, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Next level. Um, Marcus texted through, get Manu out of the Roosters ASAP. How about backing reserve? Back reserve? Back reserve. Do you mean on the reserve? Main on the reserves. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think that's just because Mark's... He not... won't leave the Roosters and go be on the reserves, Marky. No, but I think Mark is a, <laughs> a Rabbitohs fan, so that might say something <laughs> about the Roosters <laughs> as true. well. Size right. 12, please. Size 12. Size 12. All right, uh, crack on. Let's go this one. Round three. Now, Robbie, have you got the audio of this? No, you haven't. Okay. I wasn't clear enough in my instructions. That's on me. It's not on you. But... I found a couple of things on ESPN yesterday. College, I saw them. College no, basketball. Random <laughs> as hell. So they're in stadiums, full stadiums, college basketball, mm. and they've obviously yeah. got these sponsorships. And one of them was, and everybody was dressed as bacon, which was weird, but basically if the opposition player missed two free throws in a row, everybody in the stadium got free bacon. And then they had another one that was if every, if the person got missed two the opposition was two in a row they got free chicken. I, I'm not yeah. sure what that was about, but it got me thinking. What pro sport? You know, they're all about engaging fans, getting bums on seat. What would entice you to go to a sport you don't normally follow? Free food, entertainment. <laughs> free food, <laughs> entertainment is hundred percent correct. Like you talk about the Super Bowl. You know, mm. the number one question you get asked, who played at halftime? Who played at halftime? Who was the big halftime act? And that's the question I was lucky enough to go in 2020, and that's the only – they don't even care who played. They don't even care that the Chiefs won their maiden Super Bowl, Patty Mahomes against the 49ers. They want to know who was at halftime. J-Lo, Shakira, outstanding. 
So it has to be entertainment. And in regards to the food side of things, the Crusaders actually did one. For the last couple of years, so you know when you kick a penalty or, or free kick and you kick it into touch? Yeah. If the crowd catches it on the full, they got given a bag of sausages. <laughs> that is <laughs> I, think, I think it was from Hallers or, or one of the major sponsors down here. So they'd go around and, and if you caught it on the full, you got a bag of sausages. So I'd have to say it'd be something similar. And I think that's a question if we run out there as well. And double eight, double three, is entertainment... Something free, you know. Look in the basketball. You you get a halftime shot from half half court. You win ten thousand dollars. You always seen it in the NBA. Um, yes, on field's very important, but it has to be a spectacle and entertaining. And you know, with the Crusaders, they got the horses at So a lot of people only go to watch those games to watch the horses ride around, particularly from kids. Um, so what would make you get out of be a double eight, double three? You know, something free. Everyone loves a freebie. So I'll tell you, say it's free and entertainment. Free and entertainment. I remember a few years ago, the old uh, the guy to be passed away now died in that horrible hot helicopter crash. The uh, the mm. the former Leicester City owner, the tile the tile mm. businessman. Uh, it was his birthday, so he shouted the entire stadium a pie and a beer. So you, when you went and sat down and you see there was a voucher for a pie and a beer on every seat in the stadium. Mm. That's pretty good. Wow, that's pretty good. And, and just on that, if do you know the one rule I hate? No, I'm that? just going off topic here. But if you're at a golf course and you get a hole in one, mm. you have to shout the bar. <laughs> they should shout. Oh, I'm not saying I've got one and not even being close, but I can't understand that rule. You get a hole in one, you've got to shout the bar. They need to change. You'd be shouted for life. Yeah, mind you, my old football team that I used to play with, like uh, so I played uh, with fencibles for a while and then I switched to Metro mm. and it was bo- it was the same both places if it was your birthday you shouted the first round <laughs> so <laughs> how does that make sense <laughs> you just want to well, have your birthday outside the me. season that's what you want mm. <laughs> 6.22 want to hear from you double eight double three on all those topics what would it take for to get you to go to a sporting event of a sport that you don't follow is there, is there a carrot that they could dangle that would get you to go along and Joey Manu, should he go to Union? And if he did, where would he play? Let us know. Double eight, double three. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 or give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. That number, double eight, double three. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Now, a few texts coming through. Is there a few people with a few ideas? Yeah, there's a couple here. People queue up to see Oprah for a free handbag or a car. I get excited when you get a free cat food sample in the litter box and we don't even have a cat. Everyone loves free stuff. You did right. Everyone loves free stuff. Joseph Parker, back in the day, Burger King, if he got a knockout, everyone got a free Whopper for a certain period of time. And I'm sure every Burger King around the country would have been queues out the door. Um, Everyone loves free stuff, Rick Dog. Everyone loves going along. And you talk about entertainment and experiences at the moment. The Warriors and the Breakers are leading the way mm. in terms of entertainment. If you do not even like the sport or, you, you know, the sport is important, you go along to two of those events and you talk to people that go along to the Breakers. My mates, they are from Gisborne, they were in Auckland on Karaka Millions weekend. They went to the Breakers. They reckon it was the best experience they've ever been to. The crowd is different. The uniqueness, like even in stoppages, there's entertainment on the court. 
they do it differently. So it's just going that extra mile, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, I remember years ago, uh, the first professional football team in New Zealand was the Kings, and I would do their ground announcing and their emceeing and all that sort of stuff. And there was the, the players, the, out. The, the local players, particularly the young guys, didn't get paid a heap. And there was one young player who, who came and approached me and he said, oh, look, my missus is Hapu and she was down the line and I want to bring her up, but I'm skint. Um, and the Kings had this thing, it was sponsored at halftime. Uh, you got a random person out of the crowd. They had a shot from halfway. If they scored, it was $1,000. And he said, can you get my mate up for the kick and I'm going to split the money with him when he scores and then I'll be able to bring my missus up. And I was like... All right, just don't tell anybody. All right, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. And so went and found his mate, called him up. He turned up with his boots. And I was like, that's a bit of a – this looks <laughs> sus. Uh, and apparently he played He played first team for like like a Northern Premier Club. I can't remember which club now, but he played for, played for one of them. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So anyway, played it up like it was all, all legit. Got out there and he missed. He missed <laughs> after all of that, putting a – Backside on the line. <laughs> You're breathing a sigh of relief. Do not like me because it looks it looks sus from the outset when he comes out of the stands with his boots and he's like, no one in the stands is carrying their boots, and all of a sudden this one pundit who who magi- magically gets the halftime shot. Mate, you were breathing a sigh of relief. Don't yeah, you? I was. I was a wee. But keep your cheeks rolling through. Plenty have done that. Like, oh, yeah. what, what extent have you gone through to help someone suspectly get a, get a, <laughs> get a raffle? Yeah, you know, put your name in a hat and all of a sudden it comes out and there's 40 of them in there. <laughs> I know you've all done it. We've all, we're all guilty of it. That is true. Keep coming through. Double eight, double three. We've got a few on Joey Manu as well that we'll get to shortly. Uh, right now, though, we're going to catch up with Araha for the latest news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 27 away from 7 o'clock. Thank you very much, Araha. It is back to work time at Bunnings Trade. And I know Araha mentioned it uh, he in her news, but I, she didn't go the, didn't give you the, the, full, the full story. We all know that Tony Brown had been talking to the box. It's official now. Mm. But he's, mm. Rassi Erasmus has also named the rest of his coaching team. And you know <laughs> yeah. how he's known for thinking outside the box, right? He's got that reputation. Mm, Have mm. you seen who else he's named as an assistant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Flannery <laughs> is over there as the defence uh, coach, the Irish hooker, Tony yep. Brown attack coach. But as his uh, advisor is former test referee Yako Paper is part of the mm. Springboks coaching team now. That is really interesting. Now that that is a, I think it's a really clever idea. A guy that's been so recently a test referee. Very clever, very very clever. And one thing I learned. The other day when um, Jace Ryan, I was listening to one of his chats on, on air and uh, he was talking about super rugby teams being allocated a referee each that come in. And you're seeing quite a lot of it. I've been a part of teams when the referees come in and they referee a couple of the, um, you know, the, the game scenario games within training and are a part of that outfit throughout the, the tournament. And the one factor of that appointment is that none of those referees can ever referee those games that those teams are a part of. So it was quite interesting to hear that. Um, But I'm not surprised, and I think we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of this. Wayne Barnes up in the north potentially could link up with England and be a part of their outfit because the reality is the rules and and the laws are ever-changing. The interpretations of the laws are are interpreted differently 
from a referee and a player's point of view. So having the IP within your group is is great. Is great for the for the team. And this Springboks coaching group is starting to make absolute sense, and it is becoming scary. If I'm going to be completely honest, mm. with with Tony Brown looking after attack, this is a team that has played a certain way. Their identity is brute muscle physicality, big bodies winning the the physical battle. Now add in Tony Brown's experience and creativity. Man, this could be scary. This could be a scary, scary time for, for New Zealand and rugby fans when you've got him in your group. And not only that, you've got Dwayne Vermeulen, mm. who was World Rugby Player of the Year, who's going to look after all South African rugby teams, not just the Springboks, but he'll have an input there. So Rassi Erasmus and Alexander, the CEO of South African Rugby, have gone great guns in their recruitment for that team. Yeah, they have done. Yeah, Dwayne Vermeulen with a, a roving coaching position, whatever that mm. means. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, once again, showing that thing outside the box can work for you. Uh, Saudi Arabia are going to host a new elite tennis competition uh, featuring Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal with three other Grand Slam winners. And it's going to happen in October. It's just been announced. Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Sinner and Daniel Medvedev are the other Grand Slam winners with Holger Rune. Uh, they will play the Six Kings Slam, which will form part of Saudi Arabia's Cultural and Entertainment Riyadh Season Festival. What's the purse? Well, they haven't said what the purse is, but those boys aren't turning up for shits and giggles, are they? <laughs> no, no, they're getting a couple of million in the back pocket, and let's just play for a couple of on the side, eh? Yeah. Um, well, because, I mean, uh, Rafa Nadal... What aren't they doing Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Holy. Rafa Nadal has signed up as an ambassador, Saudi ambassador. As well, so he's looking after his his, his post tennis career already. So he is a big part of that. Uh, what do you reckon? I mean, a six players. That's I guess it's going to be what round robin's going to have to be. But mm. it, it just feels. And I'm not even going down the sports washing side of it because that that is a that's a whole other conversation. But it just it just feels plastic. It doesn't mean anything. I don't. Are people going to care? <laughs> Yeah, uh, people aren't going to care. The players going to care? Nah, they're filling up their back pockets, mate. And that's the the situation now with Saudi Arabia. And the, you know, you've got look at Joe Joquan Neiman, who won the Myrokava um, uh, LIV latest event, four million. I think um, John Rahm came third, maybe. He's still got one point two five. You know, like there's just so much cash that has been thrown out of the Saudi Arabian fund. It's just changing the landscape of sport, and is it taking the credibility out of it? That could be a debate to be have. had. Yeah, you know, like the credibility could be potentially going and losing. It's interesting. It's interesting because, uh, and this is another conversation, but I did notice there's a lot of players, you know, because the Saudi of this PF uh, PIF fund or whatever it's called, uh, they own four clubs in Saudi Arabia, yeah. right? And they've been trying to buy all these big players from. Europe, well, it's not working as the players now are going, we don't like it. We don't like it. Mm. Jordan Henderson's left. He's He cut his contract. Like He was getting paid £700,000 a week. And yeah. he went, why, why don't they like it? Uh, I think it's uh, basically, it's A, it's too hot, which could have mm. told you that. Uh, B, <laughs> B, I don't think there's, too, you know, there's probably just not anything to do. And I see the other one that's come out is Riyad Mahrez, who um, was at Manchester City, won the league with Leicester. He signed to go there, and his missus has come out. His wife has come out and said, 
well, what does that mean for me? I'm just going to have to sit at home. Because, yeah. and I think there's a lot of that pressure probably from partners because yeah. of cultural, culturally how Saudi yeah. Arabia is. What does it mean yeah. for, the, for the women that have to go there? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's a whole bunch that are, are wanting out of Saudi already. And now she's been really vocal about it. So, I mean, what happens now if she's real vocal about it and the other wives and partners start to go, yeah, actually, if we get offered this, I'm saying no. And, and well, my, they've all made their money. They've yeah. all made plenty of money already. So the you know the reason they were going there was obviously money, but they've made, all made plenty. And if it's you know I'm talking from personal experience, I had opportunities to go overseas mm. and and make more money. But from a family point of view and the lifestyle that you live, it just did not make sense. And I think that's coming to the uh, to the um, to the top now. Is is People are thinking about it from the aspect, you've got to be happy in your sport. You've got to be enjoying your environment. Mm. You've got to be happy to go to work every single day. If it feels like it's a chore and it's a, it's a demand, then you've got to make those decisions. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and you know how if they're going to have any more traction because they did sign some of the biggest names in the world to go there, but uh, I feel like it's changing. Just quickly, you brought up the heat um, um, conversation just then for your yeah. chat. Well, they're just doing an investigation in the NRL into that Keith Titimus that was the Manning player in 2020 that died of heat mm. exhaustion. Yep. And his body temperature was up to around 41 degrees. And he was having seizures. And now they're just going through all the investigation and, and the court proceedings. And it, it just made for an interesting conversation um, to be here because I was listening to Ben Sigmund when he was talking with Snake McCarty the other day about his experience playing in the heat for the Phoenix. And over in the A-League, they play in some m- major heats at any all periods, all times of the day, particularly around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, whatever. Is because of the situation now with the heat, is it going to be the benchmark for sport? And do you expect there'll be a lot of changes, particularly in A-League? I know they play throughout all periods of the day? Well, they might see some change? No, they've already made a few changes. There was a game mm. that was supposed to be played in the Women's A-League, the Liberty A-League, between the Phoenix and Newcastle, mm. and that was originally yeah. set down for Maitland, which is where the Newcastle Jets training centre is, um, mm-hmm. but it was going to be over 40 degrees in Maitland, so they shifted it. They shifted it back to the coast because that's inland and they sh- uh, be- because of that very reason of the temperatures. So I think football have, have been generally have been across that uh, in Australia. They have drinks breaks, so they'll do a drinks break halfway through each half as well. Mm. We've seen that happen in, in parts of Europe and stuff as well. So you know, I think they're onto it. But, yeah, I mean, that was really sad what happened, happened to that bloke. And obviously mm. it was extenuating circumstances as well. But, you know, I mentioned that in terms of with Jordan Henderson, but it's like, who's advising you? Like, you go and sign, I know it's 700,000 pounds a week, you know, and that's hard to say no to. But one of the main reasons you're leaving is because it's too hot. It's like, mate, do you, do you not own a map? Do you not know where mm. this place is and what you're in for? Surely you'd do a bit of a, a bit of that before you sign anything. Saw the numbers. Saw the numbers. You always look at the numbers and then you deal with the <laughs> repercussions post it made. Uh, we all know that. We're all bloody guilty of it. Um, player welfare. Mm. I know we're going to get off, but player welfare is at the forefront of a lot of minds now. I don't know if you saw the article on the NRL. They could limit contact sessions yeah. this year to 14. Uh, to, yeah, I think in the NFL they have 14 contact sessions per year, one in the playoffs, and they have advisory medical staff. Is this 
a good thing for the NRL? I'm going from from my perspective. There's a lot of conversations for CTE. I got asked that yesterday about the CTE, Carl Heyman, and having a big debate about it. And the reality is, you're never really going to get contact physical, um, you know, scenarios out of the game. Is this a way going forward? That, that, that is going to be a, the different maker in the NRL? Well, I, I I wonder how this is going to work because if you there is a certain amount, and I know you you can't, um, you know, when they do karate training and things like that, you know, part of the thing is you get used to taking blows to the stomach or the body or whatever, mm. you know, and that's mm. part of your conditioning. And you can't condition the head to take blows, but the rest of the body you can. So how does it affect the rest of the body if they stop these contact sessions? You can't. <laughs> you can't. Like it's the conversation. Yeah, the conversation. I was like, you just can't stop most of the the, the moments or the the positions you're getting your body into. You got this bloke running 100. percent You got this bloke running 100 percent to stop you, and it's just going to happen. Everything happens so darn quick. But the NRL are, are making adjustments at the moment. Yeah, and uh, obviously copying what the NRL NFL has done, and they're going to have video recordings. And keep a real tight lip on it, um, and and watch it. Watch it. I think is is good. Ever trying to ch- look after player welfare, and they're making adjustments. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see how they how they track it. Maybe we should get somebody out of mm. the uh, out of the Warriors to have a chat to us about it and see how they uh, mm. they will look at it. There you go. Those are some sports news headlines for you. Keep your texts rolling through as well. Double eight, double three. We'll get to some of those after this. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. It is quarter to seven. It is 10 away from 7 o'clock and plenty of texts coming through on double eight, double three. We're talking a few things. We're talking about what would it take to get you to a game uh, that maybe you don't necessarily follow? What sort of stuff do you, uh, you know, would, would be enough of a carrot to get you to go to something? And there's a few stories come through. Um, Morning, Les. Didn't Cricket have one a few years ago for cash sponsored by Tui? That's right, the one-handed catch, remember? Yeah, that's right. That's there were some stunners in the crowd, eh? Yeah. That was a Great um, promotion. It was, Loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. That was awesome. And uh, <laughs> this one, morning boys, I won a trip to Fiji 15 years ago. Three names got called out. First one to get through would take the lollies. I was the last person to get through, but my mate was the producer and told the first two callers they were too slow. You beauty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Everything's rigged, eh? So if someone wins something, you're like, that's rigged. It's a bit like the quiz on Quizzy Dag. Maybe bring back that. I, 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 I can admit it. I used to rig it all the time. Did you? Okay? Well, if, you're a, if you're good to me, Cameron, you'd have no chance. But if you're good to me, you'd probably win the Quizzy Dag. We'll bring it back, eh? Oh, I think we should bring it back. Ed said, morning, it is, uh, morning it is he? Can't beat my cousin Brett supporting the breakers. Got picked from the crowd wearing his kit. Four people dribble the ball full, co- uh, full court. The first one to make a basket wins the prize. Cuzzy got their second but made his layout. The first guy missed. Got a whole bunch of Burger King prizes. Um, <laughs> Brett, Brett eating Burger King? That rig? I don't know. No. I reckon he gave them all to Ed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be my take. Eat. <laughs> and uh, DJ Tim, bring Joey to the Satyrs at second five. How good. I don't think Leon made the choice to play Roger at second five. That decision would have been made higher up, i.e. Ian Foster. I also blame Fozzie for the Cricket World Cup debacle in 2019 and the America's Cup in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave Fozzie alone, DJ Tim. DJ. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good conversation. I, I just feel like 
yeah, Roger never never got a chance. He wasn't he wasn't a twelve. No, he wasn't a twelve. And this one from Maury, he's uh, he's, he's probably right, but it's it's fun to speculate, Maury. But he said Joe Manu's not going to union. It's just his manager talking it up around contract time to get the price up. He'll be a rooster for life. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, and that's the perfect um, manager you need just to raise the price, the price tag. But um, yeah, look at. Could happen. You never know. Could happen. Anything's happening with this cross-code battle that they've got on in Australia at the moment. Well, I remember when he signed his last contract uh, renewal with the Roosters. Around that time, uh, he got left out of the uh, All-Stars game. He wanted to play for the New Zealand Māori team in the All-Stars mm. game, and the Roosters wouldn't let him. And um, he was like, I'm going to quit. And he had, uh, The story was his dad was even talking to the Chiefs back here. About him, mm. about him coming, and I yeah. So it's not the first time that this has happened with Joey. So there's there's been a chat around before. So we'll see what happens with that. Keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three, seven away from seven. Couple of minutes away from seven o'clock here. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. And yeah, Izzy, that uh, chat you were talking about uh, the the collision. Uh, training mm. the, uh, the NFL have limited it. The NRL are talking about it. I mean, from your point of view, how mm. you know going back to your playing days, how often did you do collision training through a season? We we did very limited. If I'm completely honest, at the Crusaders, uh, I, I feel that's where most of your concussions come from because the reality is, game you are mentally, physically prepared for it. In training, you've got one bloke that's a Harry Hart out, and then you've got another bloke that's like ah. Uh, not quite on the same level, and, and that's where you can create a lot of your your collisions. So for the Crusade, we, we did five minutes a week, I think it was, and everything under, under that was uncontested mm. uncontested um, physicality. So from my experiences, we did limited, but hearing from the NRL, I think they uh, go over the top, and they're making adjustments here, and a lot of the play, I think Luke Carey was at the forefront of that, talking about most of his concussions throughout the training year. Yeah, interesting. All right, we'll talk more about that. Uh, keep your texts rolling through as well. Double eight, double three. On the way on the show, we're going to talk to Jacob Spoonley about the Phoenix. We're going to talk to John Bracewell about the Black Caps. We'll get in some weightlifting chat and love racing as well. Here's Araha now with the latest in news for Kubota. It's five past seven. Good morning to you. Welcome into the show. It is SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Big old show. Uh, lots of guests still to come, including. The legendary John Bracewell is going to join us. We're going to talk some black caps with him. Be interested to get his take on Mitch Santner's form uh, with the ball. He's only played two tests in the last two and a half years, but he seems to have mm. rediscovered uh, some form with the ball, is he? So that'll be a good chat. Yeah, it'll be a great chat. Um, looking forward to that. Yeah, look, he's. It's an interesting to be. It's interesting to be a spinner. I was listening to Snake McCarty's. Uh, interview with him about being a spinner in New Zealand's conditions, you know, with the pitches that are on offer are more predominantly, um, you know, favouring seamers and where does his impact have, but um, he's a very quality bowler and I want to talk to John Bracewell about the situation at the moment with the pitch, is it becoming more difficult to bat with the conditions, you know, they're chasing 500 and 500 odd already with a couple of days left. So you'd ha- you have to say this will be wrapped up relatively quick. But also, Robbie's bet mm. that he had Kane Williamson to get 100 runs 
or more, and Matt Henry to get five wickets. Well, Matt Henry's got three wickets, and you'd have to say that's a very good bet playing four bucks. Just needs two more wickets, Robbie, and you get paid, and does that mean I get a coffee? So yeah, maybe. Words, see, all right, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Have you ever had a bap or, or a coffee lately? His old mate in the cafe is still there, staring in, waiting for, for myself or Kempe to come back in and start paying his wages. Is there any coffees on order there, Rick Doll? Well, I've, I've, I, do a, I do one or two a week. Um, okay. Yeah, it's been a while since. But Robbie hasn't, no, I think hasn't offered? He's, he's got the old Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, I think. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, just, yeah, I get a sense of that. Yeah, struggles to get to the pockets. Struggles mm, to get the all pockets. these fill-ups and he just doesn't uh, pay out. Okay. <laughs> P-A-Y-E, Robbie, pay as you earn. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's not saying anything. He's not saying anything. <laughs> the cricket desk has gone quiet and it, that very rarely happens. Uh, let's be honest, they're, they're all tied in. Tight as hell in, the, in that room. <laughs> uh, it must be something about the oxygen in that room. No one tends to open their own wallets. Yeah, well, how much they get paid, but that's a whole other uh, <laughs> that's conversation. Uh, it is Trading's Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Also coming up this hour, Simon Kent, the president of Weightlifting New Zealand. We're going to talk to him right now, though, a man who's uh, often had the weight of uh, professional football on his shoulders. He seems to be everywhere talking about it uh, all the time. The face of professional football in New Zealand, Jacob Spoonley, how are you? Oh, isn't he? What? <laughs> Good lad. Uh, just happy to save everyone from your mundane coffee chat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wednesday. Uh, Jacob, are you, are you still in Wellington? You're at the airport? Yes, we're currently in the Riches Hotel, um, mm. trying to duck and dive and avoid uh, some tourists and leaving Wellington, but um, we're leaving this morning. Leaving this morning. All right, mate. Well, it was a good game yesterday, a top-of-the-table clash. I mean, Piney uh, several times referred to it as a, as a game of chess out there. How did you find it, and, and how, how, how difficult does it make it your job as a commentator when uh, teams are, are being cagey? <laughs> Yeah, look, it was a game that didn't give us too many highlights. There wasn't really uh, fire. There weren't really fireworks to speak of. But I think Ricardo, it was a huge, huge compliment that the Mariners played, paid rather, a depleted Wellington Phoenix. It, it did mean that we had to kind of focus on um, ancillary and and uh, speculative um, aspects of the game because it did end up being nil nil, of course. But you could see what each coach was one concerned with because they didn't want to allow the other an option in transition and there was respect to the threat that they brought. And then two, wanted to ensure that their teams actually had the better chances in the second half. They didn't want to concede a lead and they realised that the first goal was critical in actually coming away with the result yesterday. And I thought it wasn't necessarily the best game in isolation, but if we get um, another um, confrontation between these two sides, particularly in the playoffs, I think we're going to look back at this game and say this is where they felt each other out. This is where they tried to understand where the weaknesses were. Jacob, defences wins titles. That's always the saying that I was said in, in my teams that I've been a part of. If you get the defence right, it shows a lot of heart and desire to, to be defensively sound. You could go a long way to win this championship. Well, defensively, when you think of the Phoenix, they have been defensively impressive this year. What, what have you put it down to why they've been able to limit you know, the top-scoring side in the league like the Central Coast Mariners to nil? Well, I think there's, there's kind of three key points to this, Izzy. And the first is that 
Um, I think Giancarlo Italiano has instilled and infused confidence in the side. He believes in them, and that's starting to, um, to affect the players, that there's a lot more confidence in this team. So that's the first part. The second, I think, is the addition of Adam Griffiths, who has come across from Australia as a former A-League player. He was the head coach of Melbourne United in the NSW NPL. He then went up and became the assistant of Western Sydney Wanderers with Marco Rudan, did a great job there, and that's where the Phoenix actually plucked him from. And quietly amongst the group, you're hearing about the manner in which he's setting up this team to be really stubborn. They are happy to defend deep and they are happy to frustrate um, when the other team does have a period of sustained pressure. Now, the third part, and this is really key for me, Izzy, is that the Phoenix are defending and they're defending well with young players, young Kiwi players. So Alex Paulson in goal, we know Mm. um, the headlines that he's grabbed this season. But if you look across the back line, He's joined by Finn Sermon, our under-23 captain, who is still only 20 years old. And then at left-back, again, he was deployed yesterday up against some very pacey and direct wingers. But Lucas Kelly-Heald is still only 18. And I think it's very easy to forget the confidence that the Phoenix are playing with, and that's a result of the way in which they've been set up, but also the confident young players that they are achieving these results with and keeping teams at arm's length and maintaining their position at top of the table. Yeah, I saw a photo yesterday. Today's uh, Phoenix men's squad featured 11 Wellington Phoenix Football Academy graduates with seven of those getting minutes in round 12 draw with the Mariners. They posed with a fo- uh, photo of with former Academy director Steve Coleman before he leaves for his adventure in the United States. So the Pathways the Academy is absolutely flying, mate. And, and how, like, that, that, that must be impressive from a Phoenix supporter knowing that they don't have to go offshore. Their own academy is providing and pro- proving to be successful. Absolutely. And I think this all comes down to a plan that was um, provided to the A League around about 10 years ago now. So this doesn't happen overnight. And I think the investment into mm. the academies happened five to six years ago. But if we go back to that report, it came from former executive of the Premier League, Richard Scudamire, and he put in place four key pillars that the A-League needed to observe. Now, we're not saying they've observed all of them because they've faced their own troubles recently. But first and foremost, he said that the connection with the fans, the way in which you weave clubs into the tapestry of their communities isn't through the marquee player. It isn't through the player that earns a lot and that can... Um, that can bring you kind of uh, uh, headlines and, and, and columns in the newspaper. It's actually through the young player that has come up through the community, the player that a lot of fans know and have potentially played against, the hometown boy or girl come good. And what we're seeing, and it's in growing pockets in the alien, because I think you've got to include Central Coast Mariners and Adelaide, um, is that they are starting to reap huge benefit from their academies. And it's great um, that the Wellington Phoenix um, are doing that as well now. And it's a huge contingent of their squad. A lot of credit has to go to not only Steve Coleman, but to Paul Temple, and in particular to Chris Greenacre, because I think they have been the key people that have marshaled these youngsters 
through their development and the transition into professional football. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can see that with Adelaide. They've just sold, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the keeper, a young keeper, just gone to Aston Villa. And uh, last uh, earlier in the season, they sold a uh, young striker up to Newcastle United as well. So it's definitely paying dividends. And, and that kind of works into my next question, Jacob, and that's about the squads. Yesterday, uh, the, the two benches were very young. In fact, there was only one player on both benches over the age of 23. Uh, you seeing that mirrored throughout the league, or is that just two teams that maybe you've got a few injury issues and and, and things are looking <laughs> a little thin? I think um, I think that's kind of par for the course. Central Coast um, do like to give their players that experience and, and allow them to kind of see professional football up close and then put them in and controlled periods of games. For the Phoenix, it's slightly different. Um, and if you actually look at their bench yesterday, the oldest player was 20 years old, Finn Conchi, who came on in the second half. And then outside of him, they had three 19-year-olds, a 17-year-old, Ricardo, and a 16-year-old. So um, <laughs> I don't think you can say that's by design. Mm. Um, and what the Phoenix, I think, were missing uh, was the ability to change game, the change of game. And i um, I think they've done that really well over the course of the season. Um, they've got a lean squad, but they've used it very effectively. But yesterday, uh, we did see the absence of, in particular, Oscar Zavada. It's really hard to replace 20 goals in 34 games. But also the likes of Nico Pennington, Mohamed Altay, and Sam Sutton. Those are players with a lot of A-League experience. Um, and they've been used to good effect by Italiano um, to bring a lot of energy, in particular, into the midfield. If we just return to Oscar Zavada, um, I think yesterday was a game that was tailor-made for him. Had you put Brian Caltech up against Oscar Zavada, I think you would have created a lot more space for the other players in the Phoenix, the likes of Ben Old and Costa Barbarousas. And I think you probably would have worn down Brian Caltech because he was so instrumental in seeing off the Wellington Phoenix's uh, attacks and entries into that final third. But the big pole might have changed things and been the difference yesterday. Just uh, in, in regards to fatigue, they played Friday, they played yesterday, and now again this Saturday they take on Western Sydney, who are one of the, the the bottom sides on the table. How do they make sure fatigue isn't too much of a factor leading into this weekend? Was there a bit of fatigue in yesterday's performance? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Izzy. I think that's a great point. Um, I think the Phoenix put themselves in the window to to go and chase the result at the end. As we said, they didn't quite have the legs and they didn't have the horses to do that. Um, but I think we saw from both the Phoenix and Central Coast Mariners the uh, the brilliant Waitangi Day afternoon sun set them of their energy. So it's another short turnaround um, into this weekend against Western United, um, who, although they're adrift at the bottom of the table, they haven't really um, been blown out this season. So um, I think we can expect the energy and the enthusiasm um, to actually come from the returning Nico Pennington, who is back from suspension, uh, and hopefully we get to see Mohamed Altay again. And I think those are two huge additions. Probably um, they will help amplify uh, the Phoenix, and there'll be some hunger in there as well, because the Phoenix have drawn two games now, and they need to come out and affirm that they should be top of the table and really set about um, this Western United side and, and show them absolutely um, no remorse. Uh, Jacob, Justin uh, Salas is the, uh, the, the the signing, a loan signing out of um, Costa Rica from Saprissa, the, the Costa Rican champions. Uh, is he going to be available for this next game? 
Well, what we're hearing is that uh, he still has to travel to New Zealand and um, he has to have his visa processed. It sounded like, according to our wonderful print media that cover the Phoenix, that he'll be available for the MacArthur game, which is actually next week. So in terms of the cavalry arriving, Ricardo, um, unfortunately he won't be here for this Western United game, it seems. Okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, Something else I wanted to ask you about, Jacob, is, you know, we... We're all uh, being fizzing for this Auckland A-League team, and I keep waiting for news, and we keep not getting any news. Um, and so I'm wondering when we might see some more. And then I look, and I see this story yesterday. All Whites defender Tommy Smith has signed uh, with A-League club MacArthur until the end of the season. Now, he is the second All White or former White to have done that. Rojas has done signed to the end of the season at Brisbane. Uh, former... Uh, Wellington Phoenix player Rolly Bonavassi has signed to the victory till the end of this season, short term. All these guys come into this part of the world in short term deals. If you're a betting man, how much would you have on these three being part of the Auckland setup? <laughs> Look, I, I'm, I'm not sure, Ricardo. And I've got to say, the Auckland team are doing a wonderful job of giving themselves time to assess players. Um, you're hearing bits and pieces through the rumour mill, but nothing um, confirmed at this stage. And what I think um, it speaks to is this this marrying of local. I'm sure that there will be local National League players, players that are in the under-20s and under-23s that will be given the opportunity by this Auckland side. And it'll be great to see players from Auckland being given an opportunity. But then there's a secondary market, and this is one that's kind of established over the last couple of years. But there are a number of New Zealand players that are overseas at the moment. Um, and it provides a, a way to build this Auckland team without cannibalising the Wellington Phoenix, which I think is great because it means we're building this pool of professional players that are playing in our own backyard. So to answer your question directly, have to wait and see what the club does. They've got <laughs> multiple horses and multiple races at the moment, so I'm sure that their very small team is working around the clock to have not only announcements about stadiums and kits and logos, but also players confirmed. But I'll just uh, round you out with this. Wouldn't it be great if each and every year we had as a fixture, as we do in other codes like the Anzac Day test, Mm. Auckland versus Wellington on Waitangi Day, um, a midweek fixture that stands alone and allows us to celebrate our own football. Mate, that'd be fantastic. I mean, we saw the difference it made yesterday. I don't know if you picked this up. But the biggest crowd the Phoenix have had all season yesterday by about three thousand. Mm. I read that article, and that that makes a hell, they can have a whole well pay their wages for a whole season once they get up to around nine thousand. I think I was reading. So, the the hunger in there, the desires there for football. Do you think you'll have the same desire and effect in Auckland there, Jacob? Yeah, I think it will, Izzy. Uh, um, I think provided mm. that Auckland sees itself represented in the club and on the field, um, Aucklanders will get behind it and. Um, of course, they're going to have to use a, a, a current stadium at the moment, but you've seen the way in which the announcement of this team has really pushed things, and it's not only with football. The stadium itself, the conversation about a downtown stadium has reignited. Um, and I think for me, as I've said before on the show, it's not just about looking at Auckland and then Wellington. It's about looking at what mm. they can do together because this is quite unique. Outside of Super Rugby, New Zealand mm. doesn't necessarily have two professional teams um, in an Australian and New Zealand competition. Uh, And it's that key element. It's that kind of, that tribalism that you really want to cultivate because I think that's what will stand football 
alone and allow it to, to mature, not only from an on-field perspective, but also from a commercial off-field perspective. Good stuff, Jacob. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. We'll let you Cheers, go and Jacob. grab a decent coffee before you head to Wellington Airport. Appreciate your time. Thank you, and um, yeah, wonderful to save your audience from the uh, flat white versus mocker chat. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob's Boonley there with us, absolutely giving it to us. That's great. Seven twenty-two this morning. Yeah, I mean that is the thing. Is he? We've we've had chat about Mm. a second team in the uh, Australian Basketball League. Uh, I know Nick Mills wanted to do that for a while with the Saints. We've yep. had chat about another league team in the NRL, but that hasn't happened yet. So this is mm. uh, this is going to be interesting to see how this lifts the profile of the league and also the profile of the sport in New Zealand having two pro teams. I think it's great for the for the sport and great for tribalism in in New Zealand. You want to see a, a you know a, two of the biggest cities in the country going at it and um, you know open up that. Interesting to hear them open up the conversation about the waterfront stadium. They had an opportunity years ago, 2011. They were talking about it for Rugby World Cup. Well, that didn't eventuate, and um, now this topic has arisen again. Well, they've got plenty of money. Was it Tom Foley that's backing Bill Bill uh, Foley? Bill Foley that is backing the Auckland A-League team. Is he going to come over and build a half a billion dollar stadium? Time will tell, but um, I absolutely love it. Waitangi Day, Auckland v Wellington, tribalism through and through, bang. Let's get it going. Let's get it going indeed. 7.23, you're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It is 7.28. It is also tradies hour with night and day warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local night and day. And it was interesting. Jeremy Paul uh, on Mm. on with staff uh, the other day uh, talking about what it's like being a Wallabies fan and loving what Joe Schmidt had to say. I thought that was quite quite funny. But uh, Dane Coles has been asked about it because he's obviously still playing in Japan. Mm. And he said... uh, he says, you know, when you have a guy that is in the all-black environment heading over, it's kind of a kick in the guts. But once you get past that and understand, I'd rather see him coach because he's still got a lot to give and is a great coach. Good to see him put his hand up. That doesn't mean I'm going to support him or be happy about it, though. It's Aussie versus the All Blacks. I'll have my All Blacks jersey on when they play. It's good to see him still in the game. I just hopefully, I just hope they don't go too well. <laughs> yeah, he's saying what everyone else is saying, isn't he? Um, yeah, look, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with Joe Smith. Like I've alluded to earlier, it's just a coach is important and trying to – it's a job that's going to take years and years. This has started from years ago when they've struggled from from the lower grades and, and inclusion. But, mate, he's a wonderful rugby I've never been coached by him, coached against – or played against his coached Ireland coach team when they first beat the All Blacks yeah. uh, 2016. And um, – yeah, he's a very a creative mind, I'm hearing, and particularly with the, the All Blacks this year, last year with the World Cup, a lot of the players, Richie Mwanga, Bowden Barrett, couldn't speak highly of, uh, enough of him and his coaching styles and philosophies. So, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it should be good, mate. Yeah. It should be good uh, to see if he can lift the uh, Wallabies out of the doldrums. Uh, it's interesting, too, I think. Uh, uh, it's probably a... a, a not the time for the conversation, but the fact that we've had Joe Schmidt go there, Baz obviously with England, Tony Brown with the with the Saffirs, um, mm. feels like New Zealand maybe as as a fan base has matured a little bit because can you remember 
the backlash when Russell Coots left Team New Zealand to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was branded a traitor and people asking to give up him to give up his passport and all sorts of things. Certainly changed, the tone's changed a bit since then. Yeah, for sure. And it's just the realistic nature of becoming a coach. There's very limited opportunities here in New Zealand with the teams to have an opportunity to coach with. So you're going to have to look abroad. Um, and it's a, it's a great light, shine light on New Zealand sport at the moment. Like our ability to create such fantastic coaches that have been recognised from around the globe in our chosen sports, it just, yeah, you know, you, you really got to tip your hat to the, the coaching um, groups here or the pathways for coaches to go through, the, the classes, the the opportunities that they get. Um, yeah, just and you're just going to recognise that uh, we are very good at se- selected sports and we can go on and do great things. So, well, yeah, definitely, mate. We're, we're pretty open to it. I was reading last night something about Baz McCullum and Stephen Fleming potentially coming back and coaching New Zealand at a T20 level. How good would that be to have them back? And they would be welcomed with open arms, even though haven't they even coached here in England. Uh, Baz is coaching England. I think they'll be welcomed back. Whereas Russell, I don't think he'd be welcomed back to, to the sailing scene, would he? Probably not. Probably not. Mate, it might be slightly different circumstances. But, uh, yeah, interesting uh, nonetheless to, to observe the way that that reaction has been. Uh, it is 28 away from 8 o'clock. Uh, coming up soon, Simon Kent, the uh, president of Weightlifting New Zealand, is going to join us and uh, teach us a little bit about the sport. And we'll talk about what they are up to as well. They've got a big day on today, actually. Right now, though, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 26 away from 8 here on SENZ Breakfast. Ken Artire are making back-to-work trade easy. Here's some sports news headlines for you. The Philadelphia Eagles will play host to the NFL's first regular season game in Brazil. NFL Commissioner Roger ah. Goodell announced in his State of the NFL media conference at Allegiant Stadium. The Eagles, who last played an international game in 2018, will face a to-be-announced opponent in Sao Paulo on Friday. September 6, the day after the NFL season kicks off on a Thursday night. This will be the NFL's first Friday game on opening weekend in more than 50 years. Wow, that is great. Like you think of the NFL, they've gone to the UK, they've played in London a couple of times. Have they played it? I think they've played in Mexico. Yeah, they've branched out to Mexico. And now they're branching out to to Brazil. Um, Yeah, look, it's it's a footballing dominated um, area part of the world, and now they're going to branch out. So, um, yeah, have you been to an NFL game? No, never been to an NFL game. Would love to go to an NFL game. I've been to a Major League Baseball game, and obviously mm. I've been to you know, a bunch of football games and stuff, but never been to NFL. Went to the Seahawks mm. Stadium. It's because we're uh, the uh, the Seattle uh, football team, the MLS team play. I've been, I went and watched them there, and that's a great stadium. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great sport. Absolutely great sport. I, I love watching it. Because the detail that goes into it, there's a lot of starts, very long game, four hours at a stadium. But you, you were talking about entertainment earlier on. That is an entertainment, mm. entertaining game. Not only on, but off as well. So uh, this weekend, man, it's starting to ramp up. Super Bowl in, the, in Las Vegas. And you sent me a clip of that younger, young guy, Jeremiah Fennell, 11 years old, interviewing all those um, players. And man... How bright of a future does he have in oh, broadcast? That kid is all over it. <laughs> all over it. Honestly, this kid's 11. He's in a blazer. He talks like a sportscaster, and he's interviewing Paddy Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, asking them great questions. He was outstanding. 
Outstanding. I was thinking, mate, I'd, I'd hate to be interviewed by him. I'd feel absolutely dumb. <laughs> anyway, well done, Jeremiah. Well done. Uh, reigning league MVP, Joel Embiid, it will be sidelined for at least four weeks following a knee procedure. Mm. The Philadelphia 76ers have announced the star centre underwent a procedure to address an injury uh, to the lateral meniscus in his left knee. He's 29 and he's missed five of the last six games and the Sixers have lost four of those five that he that he. Um, sat out the two-time defending NBA scoring champion and 2022-23 MVP is averaging 35.3 points 11.3 rebounds 5.7 assists and 1.8 blocks but has played only 34 of the 49 games for Philadelphia this season he'll be a big miss won't he he'll be a huge loss Um, they're having to rely on on other big players in the squad. Yesterday they lost to the Mavs 118-102 I actually picked it in on the odds in the TAB the Mavs were outsiders. I think they were paying two dollars. Seventy Sixers were favourite, and I just thought without Joel Embiid and his influence, they'll be be too hard for them, and it and it proves so. So you got Tyrese Maxey, fifteen points. Kelly Oubre Jr., nineteen points. And Tobias Harris wasn't quite enough against Luca in the Mavs. So yeah, four weeks. Yeah, because I think he's allowed to miss six games. To be any more, he can't be eligible for MVP or something mm, like that. That's right, yeah. And four yeah. weeks in basketball, because those guys play a lot of games, it's, yeah. you know, it's likely to be about eight games in that period of time. Uh, all Whites and Nottingham Forest striker Chris Wood could be sidelined for up to eight weeks with a hamstring issue. New Zealand International picked up the injury in the 2-1 defeat to Arsenal last week, and scans have revealed... Uh, that he has what manager Nino, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has described as a minor tear. Injury to top scorer Wood, who has nine goals and 24 appearances, uh, will comes at a time with Forrest just two points clear of the relegation zone and a possible points deduction looming. Not great news either for all-white coach Darren Baisley. He'll be hoping his captain is fit for this W Cup tournament they've been invited to play in in the WAE next month. They're going to meet Mo Salah's Egypt in the opening match, and they could also play Croatia at that tournament. So they'll be hoping he's fit for that. Awesome. And and that has been the conversation. Hey, we just don't play enough games for the all It's only a handful. Same could be had with test matches. Um, so that's good, mate. That'd be, that'd be good for the... Oh, for yeah, the whites, be fantastic exposure against those teams. Yeah, yeah, getting getting those sort of opportunities. So uh, yeah, look forward to that, and hopefully, uh, Chris Wood can be fit. There you go. Those are some sports yeah. news headlines for you. And uh, Kenard's Hire are making back to work trade easy. Win a trade station gift card worth a thousand dollars. When we come back, Simon Kent is going to join us, and we're going to learn all about weightlifting as they get ready for qualification for the twenty twenty four Paris Olympics. <laughs> Learning. We'll take those learnings. It's also the learnings you get. Yeah, I hope you'll take plenty of learnings. What are the learnings? There's going to be multiple learnings to come out of this. Being able to take those learnings. It's a quarter to eight here on SCNZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Time for learnings. Yeah, we find out about sports we maybe don't talk about all the time. And joining us uh, to talk about his sport now is the president of Weightlifting New Zealand, Simon Kent. Good morning, Simon. Welcome to the show. Yeah, McCord, uh, morning, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. A, a big day for uh, for you and for for the uh, for the sport as well in New Zealand today. Starting at Monaco uh, with the uh, Weightlifting Festival 2024. Can you tell us a little bit about this and what's going on? Yeah, mate. You're right. It is a big day. It's uh, a bit of a pre-launch today, just to uh, start building the momentum. The actual competition starts uh, on the 20th of February at the Dewdrop Event Centre there in Manukau. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's the first time since 2008 that uh, New Zealand's hosted the Oceania Championships. So we're pretty excited about that. And this time around, it's Paris 2024 qualification event. So uh, there's a fair bit riding on it for uh, for a number of uh, athletes from across the region. What can you tell us about the 300 athletes in attendance, particularly from from New Zealand? I know there's 20 countries that will be represented. How are we looking in terms of weightlifting? I know the big name is David Leite after his Commonwealth Games gold medal, fifth place at Tokyo 2020. Um, Who else is going to be a pretty competitive field? Yeah, you're right there, mate. Yeah, 100 and, uh, it's actually 170 uh, uh, entries now mm. across, yeah, you're right, 23 countries from across the Pacific. Um, yeah, we've got a team of 30 from New Zealand, um, ranging from youth all the way through to senior. You're right about David. Um, he's a front-runner uh, to qualify for Paris. Um, but we've got, uh, we've got a couple of others, uh, young Olivia Salamaya, who's in the 71-kilo class. Uh, she's battling a, a couple of Australians. Um, and then Susanna Nemo in the 87-plus class uh, is another one that's uh, an outside chance to qualify. So those are the uh, those are the three. Or Hayley Whiting as well, actually an outside chance. We've got three, three women and David who uh, are all putting their hands up to try and qualify. Now, uh, Simon, we've talked a little bit of powerlifting and, and strongman comps and things like this on the show before. Where, where is the line between the competitive weightlifting that you are overseeing here and something like some of these powerlifting and strongman comps? I mean, is there much crossover? Mate, there is, and it's a good point. I mean, the whole week is actually we're trying to make it a festival of all things sort of strength and functional fitness. So the weekend's actually kicking off with the discipline game. So that's on the Saturday and Sunday, uh, sort of a CrossFit functional fitness hybrid event. Um, then on the Tuesday, we've got our Masters. So that's everyone from 30 right up to, I think, the oldest competitors about 83. Um, and then the, uh, then the Oceanias kicks off on the, on the Wednesday, which sort of brings the high-performance lens to it. So uh, you've got a whole, a whole range, a whole gambit. I mean, lifting, uh, we know that the, the, the general health and well-being benefits from it are, um, are well-proven now. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it really is an activity for all. How do we get into it, Simon? Like, if we want to get into some weightlifting, is there a window of opportunity for, for lifters around the country? What are the pathways academies look like? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, very much a club-based sport, so there's no regional mm. uh, bodies for us. We're clubs straight to NSO. Uh, we've yeah. grown significantly in the last uh, really 10 years. I mean, CrossFit's been a real uh, help for us in the sense that mm. it's just made the snatch and the clean and jerk a more accessible uh, and more popular lift to um to participate in so local clubs uh most gyms now will offer some sort of uh olympic class or or movement so that's that's the first point of call we're doing more in the schools to try and um educate our young ones just first and foremost how to move most sports lift in some capacity Uh, i'm sure if you're back in your rugby days you would have done a power clean or a squat of some description so terrible at it mate (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's just most are uh, to start with it's just tapping into it and, and, and trying to get people more aware of you know moving well moving a barbell well and uh, and you know whether you take a competitive route or it's just for your, your overall health and well-being um, it can be an overall benefit now the Olympic lifting or the, you know that we're going to see here the Oceania qualifying and stuff as well uh, what are the disciplines is it just clean and jerk and snatch is, is, is there anything else? No, that's a bit 
quick overview where the athletes get to do three snatches, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, then there's a break, and then they come back and they do three clean and jerks, and then the the, the total is added up of the two, and that gives you your uh, your first place, second place, third place. You know, I've, I've watched a bit of Olympic lifting, and I don't always know what I'm looking at. Um, you look like a lifter. Thanks, thanks, Izzy. Right? <laughs> I'm lifting this rig around a lot, so that that, that, that takes a lot. But um, but you know, sometimes you see somebody will get a weight up, and you think, oh yeah, they've got that. But not all the lights go. Why aren't all the yeah. lights going? What are the judges looking at for once that that weight's in the air? Yeah, mate, that, that's a good question, and one that's still debated within the sport. So we have a we have a press out rule. So you've got to get the bar to overhead at arm's length, and you can't have any movement in your elbows. So, so you got to lock your arms. You got to lock them straight out. You can't get it up and then press it up. It's got to be straight up over your head, mm. and that's why sometimes the three judges that are sitting there, all the technical officials, one of them might see a, a bit of movement, and that's that's still something in the sport we're battling with. As you said, if you, if you're coming to it new, and you maybe don't understand mm. this, but then it's no different to the LBW rule in cricket. <laughs> People still can't can't quite work that out, um, or, or offside in football. Uh, it's, it's sort of a nuance of our sport, if you like. Some people don't have the ability to lock out your elbows. They mm. get stuck at a, at a different angle. Do you go up to a judge and talk to them about that, or if, is it just a case of bad luck? You need to lock it. No, mate, it's a good point. You're right. Some people don't, or, or they'll hyperextend so they go too far. Um, you see all sorts, to be fair. And what the athlete will do there is either in the weigh-in or when they're moving or coming up onto the platform, they'll show the officials that's what their elbow looks like at full lockout. Yeah. So the uh, so the, uh, the official does know, oh, okay, this guy can't quite lock it out, but that's his lockout. Yeah, right. But like um, uh, Murali Doran, the old uh, Sri Lankan spinner, <laughs> when it, with, it, with his action, right, they actually changed the laws of the game for him. That's it. Well, is, that's it. I mean, not, not, not everyone's built the same. So you get all these different variations, mm. but... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's making sure that the uh, the officials know that, so you're not getting penalised um, for something that you can't do anything about. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to get into lifting, so I mean, I know you mentioned these clubs around New Zealand. Is there a directory so I can go online and find the closest club to me? How do how do I get a, a, a go about that? Yeah, well, just as simple as weightlifting.nz. That's our uh, that's our web page uh, on there. Uh, we're going through a little bit of a, a transformation at the moment where we're, we're changing over things. But if you go on there, there's contact um, addresses and emails, um, and that, that would be the first place for people to get started. Um, and if they're um, and if they're Auckland-based, certainly in the in the next week or so, come along and have a look. It's free entry to uh, to the Oceania, so that might give them uh, a good insight as to what things are going to look like. Brilliant. Oh, well, that, that took care of my last question, so that's good. Thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like <laughs> yes, it's going to be a great event. Uh, appreciate you joining us, mate, and uh, best of luck for it. I hope it all goes really well, and uh, I look forward to seeing some of that, uh, some of those lifters uh, make it to Paris 2024. Awesome. Appreciate the time, fellas. Cheers. Simon Kent there with us, uh, the uh, president right. of Weightlifting New Zealand. Yeah. Head along, mate. I, I'm, I'm not being funny buggers here. Mm-hmm. I can see you. Potentially having a career in weightlifting. And weightlifting, you think? Have so? you given Have you given it a crack? You squatted, you you snatched, you you clean and jerk. Like, have you given it a go? No, not really. I mean, I've done. I do a lot of. I do go to the gym and lift weights, but I don't do mm. like clean and jerk or snatch. I, I'm, 
squats. I was yeah. terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's you know, he's talked about functional movement. Functional movement's an, mm. an issue that I have in terms of mm. with squatting and that because I've got bad ankles. So it's I, I feel a little bit. Uh, I don't have the best base. I guess probably mm. the best thing you'd say. But you know, I do do lots of other stuff. Do lots of I, I can leg press about three hundred kegs. And see, I thought I walked you into that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Love ya. <laughs> Good work. But unfortunately, I can't sit on my bum and lift at this thing. Um, <laughs> never mind. It is coming up six away from eight. After eight o'clock, John Bracewell's going to join us. We'll talk black caps. It's a minute away from eight o'clock, and man, we fired Matt up with our uh, Russell Coots talk. He's uh, coming. Yeah. Uh, he's coming hot on the text machine. Double eight, double three. This is the same Sir Russ who was trying to screw over Christchurch councils for charging too much for safety resources for Sale GP. Money is priority one to sixteen for that clown. Also, a fair comparison for Sir Russ is if Razor left now to coach Australia or Cody Taylor left now to play for South Africa. Is he that disliked? I've met Sir Russell Coots a few times, and yeah, I don't, I don't get too much caught into the politics, but yeah, there's a sense of dislike out there, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the the difference maybe that Matt's talking about is he went out at the top, right? So he had been part of mm. Team New Zealand. He'd been the face of, hey, buy your Red Sox, support us. Mm. They won the mm. thing, and then he gapped it for a big check. And I think that yep. was the yeah. that was the difference is that uh, he was in there as part of Team New Zealand, and it. The feeling was he'd turned his back. But uh, there you go. Text coming through, double eight, double three. Here is Araha now with the latest in news for Kubota. Uh, one of the great New Zealand tunes up there with Loyal and um, all the rest of them. <laughs> it's the Sea City Boys, is he? On, uh, what are you MC doing? That was a hell of a surprise. Well, mate, Robbie, yeah, Rob, just feeling like it? That was, that was all Robbie, to be fair. I was, like It mm. came on and I was like, what the hell is this? And then, I really, and then I looked at you and I went, oh, now I remember what this is. <laughs> Never walk away, just like Razor Ray. Do you mean Grant Robinson? Yeah. Cameron? No, I think he's Cameron. I wish is, Robinson a, would leave New Zealand now. He's talking about he's talking about Razor. He, oh, is he? He's, he's firmly in the Fozzie camp as Cameron. Uh, it is four past eight here. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Uh, SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo coming up this hour. Paulie Mawadi is going to join us. We'll have a Love Racing update for you as well. Of course, uh, it's a big day. It is... I think the day will probably get a result in the first test mm. against the Proteas. It is uh, day four. Uh, John Bracewell, part of our SENZ commentary team, uh, former Black Cap spinner, batsman as well, joins us. Uh, good morning, John. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. It's a story, mate. Uh, what's your feeling? Are you, are you thinking you're going to get to the ground and hear a declaration before play starts, or do you think mm. the, the Black Caps might have a bit more of a dig? Well, it just depends. I'm just looking out the window now, and it's a very cloudy day. Uh, it's high cloud. It happened the same thing yesterday, and it burnt off. But if that mm. cloud stays in, the New Zealand side might go, oh, we might have a little bowl and see if the swing comes in. Um, with uh, Tim Southey as the captain uh, taking advantage of his his right um, to have a, have a bowl if he likes. So uh, it's up in the air. There was a strong hint from um, from Gary Stead last night in, in his final summary of the day that they may actually bat on for a little bit, and that would be psychological more than anything, sending the batters out, uh, spend a little bit more time in the sun, having runs scored against them, keep looking up at the scoreboard at the mammoth total they've got to try and chase down. <laughs> 
and with two days it's not about uh, being able to survive uh, in that time with the wicket starting to deteriorate and take spin. So everything's falling in the hands of, of, of New Zealand exactly how they wanted it to play out, and it has done so. Yeah, is it going to continue to break up the pitch? You see it being becoming more of a challenge, John, for, for the Proteas? Well, there's, there's two ends um, to, to, mm. to the surface. One is one that's been scratched up quite a bit. So it's offering Mitchell Satner in particular some, uh, uh, some spin and bounce. The other end is showing signs of cracking, which is um, the railway end, uh, so the end going south, basically. Um, now, that, that's showing signs of cracking, and, 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 and that's sort of wear and tear. So the more times they're using the heavy roller, and Gary Stead also alluded to this earlier in the test, the more times we can see the heavy roller taking its effect, it will become an, a, a, an accumulation of effects that will wear and tear that wicket on the last two days in particular, where you'll start to get that up and down bounce. And that will bring somebody like Jamison into, into, into contention for wicket-taking because everybody's looking to play him off the back foot. They tend to look to, for the ball to bounce, but also it can stay down and that will trap you in front of the LBWs and bowls. John, what about um, AJS Patel? I know this is always going to get asked, but you know we talked about previously mm. our pitches don't necessarily suit an out-and-out spinner uh, for tests. Well, that's what we get told anyway. But looking at this, this pitch looks like it was green to start with. It's been good to bat on, and now it's breaking up. It looks like it's a pitch that's got a little bit of something for everybody. Are we changing the way we're preparing our pitches, and that does that mean we should change the way we select our teams? No, this is uniquely um, Mount Maunganui. And one of the reasons for that is Mount Maunganui is a sand pit. Basically, it's, um, you know, it's a sandbar. Uh, quite, quite. So you, you've got the sandbar that goes all the way down to the mount, and there you've got the, the, the mount sticks up. That's the only rock on the place. The rest of it is sand. And you get the, and you get the, um, the coastal winds, they dry it out very, very quickly, as, as compared to the other uh, the other grounds that we've got. Uh, let's go uh, Christchurch, surrounded by lush trees, keeps the moisture in all the time, very conducive to swing um, on, on, on solid clay. Even though it's a sand surface, you've got Eden Park in the central of, of the country. You've got um, uh, Seddon Park. It's also surrounded by trees quite a distance from the sea, um, so, you, you know, that's more conducive. Uh, same again for the basin, surrounded by rocks and buildings and things like that. So this is the only one that's uniquely designed uh, that gives us some different variety than every other ground in New Zealand, um, where the wind comes across, it dries very quickly, it's always a little bit slower than the other surfaces, no matter how much water or, or, or grass they grow on it, and it dries very, very quickly, so it changes. I, I think it's the best surface for um, variety in New Zealand than any other, but the only problem is it's a bit slow. And the groundsmen are puzzling over how do we quicken it up, and it's very frustrating for them as well because that's what they want. They want the ball to kiss through, carry, but as it breaks up, they want it to take turn, which would make it an ideal test wicket. 
Oh, one of the biggest the big headlines of this test match has been Kane Williamson who's recorded his second century within three days, hundred and eighteen, hundred and nine yesterday, mate. What did you make of his performance? Has that settled the debate? You know, we love having a debate about who's the greatest of all time. Is Kane Williamson sitting upon that throne? Yeah, he's the goat. He's the goat yeah. of batters for New Zealand cricket. Yeah. He's, he's now a living legend. Mm. He's, he's in that status. And if you if you if you had the opportunity to witness that innings, so he started mm. the the that that session on um, on nine. He ended up with a hundred and nine. He scored a hundred in a session without kind of blinking an eye. Now, most people who score 100 in the session, you go, God, that was brutal. <laughs> His was all about touch and class and, 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 and guile, finesse, um, manipulating the field, pushing it around, almost teasing them. Uh, it was just a class act of, of, of poise and balance and, 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 and cricket thinking. It was a master class. Uh, and to score at a rate of, of, of 100 runs in a session when no one's actually really got anywhere near three and over throughout the match was also phenomenal. Um, so it was, just, it was just one of those things to witness that you very, very rarely see. Um, but as a purist, you, you, you constantly admire. Where do you think he's operating at, um, John, in terms of his body? It was only like six months ago he was coming back from a major knee injury that could have potentially put him out for a very long time. Where, where do you think he's operating at, and what's the ceiling from? He's played 97 test matches. You look at the top of the list of run scorers in the world, Sachin Tendulkar played 200. That is a very long time, a very long career. Could you see something like that, potentially? Yeah, you know, you know Sachin, um I think bought his school books on the on the tour of New Zealand and <laughs> when he play, played us, he's doing he's he's doing his um, GCSEs or whatever the equivalent is in India. It's at, at the time that Richard Hadley's running in and bowling to him. I think he scored ninety eight in in, um, in Napier or something like that. Got close to being the youngest person to ever score a Test century. Um, but um, yeah, Kane's in a. a it's a different world, isn't it? You know, with the franchise world and you're balancing those sorts of things, you're, you're securing your future, um, your family's future, all these sorts of things. Um, you know, he's taken some time out of the game, not just through injury in regards, because just the captaincy, which wears and tears on you, um, you know, the length of time you've got to think. In all honesty, I don't think that's kind of stopped with him. I think that's just part of who he is. Uh, I think he constantly thinks through the game. If you had seen the number of times that he actually almost talked Ravindra down uh, when he was getting a little bit anxious by finding the field constantly, he was going down there between balls almost, um, not just between overs. So I I don't think his brain's ever going to stop. I think he's just one of those guys. But it's just about how you manage it. And I think uh, Gary Stead... I think he's been very canny about how he's managed his players in, the, in this in this environment, um, in and around how uh, to make them successful as individuals, but not having it affect New Zealand cricket um, success in, in in the long term. And and obviously the most obvious thing is that you know South Africa has struggled to answer that problem by sending the side here. 
um, while all their, 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 their international players are actually playing domestic uh, 2020 cricket. Mm. The reason for that is financially they need to survive as a country or otherwise there won't be any cricket. Uh, but the harsh reality is, um, you know, they're going to get a spanking. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the harsh reality of international sport. Um, yeah. So you, you expose yourself to a hiding and ridicule uh, and the punishments that come along with that. But getting back to Kane Williamson, he's, you know, one of the things about having a, a major knee operation is that you tend to, you tend to um, uh, try and hide it. Uh, so you protect it a little bit. And the moment you start protecting it, either your calf or your hamstring start to take on that strain. And we've already seen that he's had a bit of a hamstring pull not so long ago in the, in the, in the one day and then took an extra game off there. So that's going to be about managing that and managing his career um, over, over the next few years, I would imagine, um, so he actually can succeed at all the things that he wants to succeed. And he's also as, as available to New Zealand as often as we obviously require him. Hell of a juggling act, didn't it? Yeah. Is it what, mate? Is it what? <laughs> now, I, I understand, uh, John, that you must have a, a Driving Miss Daisy franchise because you've uh, been nominated to drive Smithy and Coney everywhere, and, and I believe that you might need to, to leave us <laughs> soon so you can get them to the ground. Is that true? Yeah, they, they'd like to have a bit breakfast, those boys. <laughs> <laughs> You tell Smithy to watch it, all right? Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Jeremy's eating all of it, and every time he looks away, his plate's a little smaller. <laughs> Don't do a karaoke on him. <laughs> oh, John, thanks very much for coming on this yeah. morning, mate. We'll let, we'll, let, we'll let you get to those to that crew. Have a great day on the call again today. Look forward to hearing you. Cheers, okay, John. fellas. Thank you very much for ringing. Cheers. Cheers. There you go, John Bracewell with us. Yeah, I, I, I talked to Mitchell Scott, who's the producer, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, you can have braces, but he's got to be gone by quarter past because he's driving Smithy and Coney. <laughs> oh, so what? They can wait five minutes. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy. Oh, I thought, what's he leading me into here? But no, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. You'll not, yeah. not be late for those boys. Um, but mate, great conversation about um, Kane Williamson and, and this underwhelming protest. So you, you'd have to say, ideally, you go out there, you put another 50 on, potentially, and then you're going. You, you need under a day, I reckon, to roll this team. The pitch is getting more difficult, is mm. breaking up. It's Mitchell Santner's going to have a an influence. If it is overcast, you know, Matt Henry, Robbie's hoping, goes out there and gets a couple of wickets. And then you've got Tim Salvey, Kyle Jamison, um, yeah, so I think this will be wrapped up in, in a day, really, in the next couple of couple of sessions. Um, but I think the case for, for the next game, because we haven't won a series, Ricardo, mm. against the Pro Tears, you just you just got to batten down even more going into this next test. We'll wrap this up, go to yep. the next test. We've got an opportunity to win this series for the first time ever. Got to put your foot on the throat a bit, eh? Make sure. Does it, it count? Yeah. Make sure because remember we played them. Was it last summer uh, or the summer before, and beat them quite handily in Christchurch, and then lost the next one to them. And it was a bit mm. like you know that opportunity was gone. <laughs> the same happened with Bangladesh. Is that in the back of your mind? Is that in the back of your mind? You brought it up. Yeah, we. I think we smoked them in Christchurch, and they might have went to Bay Oval or other mm. way around. And then we went and got rolled in the second series, one all. Does it count if we beat them one nil, two nil? 
As you, Robbie, cricketing lover, purist, love the sport, does this count as a series win against South Africa's D side? I mean, yeah, it does count. Um, but but yeah, there's, there's are you a... jumping up with joy, going yes, we're beating them finally? No, no. So yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not jumping with joy about it. But to answer the question, it 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 does count. You know, we are going to say we beat South Africa, um, but you know, yeah, it, they could they could have sent a much better side. They could have done, and they didn't because mm-hmm. they wanted them all to be playing T20 cricket, uh, which I get the financial implications of. But it, it is a real pity because I'm I'm still in that camp of. I don't care about T20 cricket. I know it's a thing. I, I know it generates money, but it means nothing. It's, it, it is hit and giggle. It is the most plastic form of the game. Yeah, and one thing, that, like, I think I touched on it yesterday, I was, I was quite surprised that T20 cricket from the broadcasters gets $2 million, ODI's like, 1.5, and a test match is $1 million mm. uh, from the broadcasting rights. Uh, the CEO spoke on, on the show a couple of days ago, and I was yeah quite amazed by that figure, thinking T20 Two hours, three hours max of cricket, they are getting more money. Potentially because there's more... It is down to the simple fact that there's more viewers that will be watching T20. I blame the latest generations, mate. They don't have a long enough attention span, so you need to... It's the TikTok generation. That's the problem. <laughs> I sound like a grumpy we old man We want fireworks. Yet. We want fireworks. <laughs> there has been a little bit of fireworks in this performance, but, yeah, EC's come through. He said, more than a boys. Kane Williamson was gifted two centuries, which against a decent opposition wouldn't have happened. Dropped three times over two inning catches that would have been taken by top test sides. Played well, no question, but three poor shots have not affected his test career. Both of them were dropped in that mm. first innings, Ravindra and Kane Williamson, and they were dollies. I've seen Richard McCall run backwards for the Black Clash and take one of those catches. I think Ravindra's should have been caught in the end one. Olivia dropped um, Kane Williamson as well, were dolly. So, yeah, makes for a fair point. And I think that's a point as well, Rick and Robbie. When you look at Kane Williamson's career, he is at the top. He scored the most runs, the most centuries. In an era where predominantly we've played Bangladesh, we've played, you know, do we play the top teams? You look at Virat Kohli, 29 centuries. They are one of the top nations. They are playing Australia, England constantly, South Africa. Could it be the same for us? We, we play Bangladesh plenty. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't go have a watch a Bangladesh game again. Breakdown of of, of the, who he's played tests against, actually, because the, mm. I mean, you say that, but then I think, oh, we played the World Test Championship final against India and beat them, and he played in that, yeah. you know, and we mm. we beaten England in a test series not that long ago. Yeah, um, haven't done it against Australia, obviously. That doesn't need to be said. Uh, so yeah, it, it'd be interesting to have a look at the breakdown of that. We might we might do. I'll get I'll get the cricket desk to have a look. Oh, the cricket desk has already had a look. I've had a look. I've had a look and break I've, it got, down, I've, Robbie. I've got I've got the test breakdown. Um, br- 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 break it down. Yes. Who do, who do you think he's played the most tests against? I'm going to say Pakistan. <sighs> England. I'm going to England. He's played the most England. He's played the most tests against England averaging 36.85. 16 tests. Um he's averaging 66 against Pakistan. Well, okay. Yeah, well. Four, four, 14 matches there. Uh, averaging 37 against India, 13 matches. Averaging 55 against South Africa, 11 matches. 78 wow. against Sri Lanka, 12 matches. Uh, 60 against West Indies, 10 matches. Um, Australia, 9 matches, averaging 41. So it, it's pretty wow. consistent. Like Obviously, we... we um, you, you know, we, we do seem to play the lesser opposition the most, but... You know, Bangladesh, he's actually played the least amount of test matches. He's played oh, eight. Oh, wow. 
um, averaging 82. But, mm. you know, the, yeah, the average is consistent across the opposition. You wanted the stats. Most of the centuries? You yeah, wanted right. the stats. The cricket desk <laughs> has the stats. Prove me wrong. He's played everyone. He's played everyone through the toughest competition. Okay, then who has he scored the most of his hundreds against? Has it been scattered throughout? Can uh, you give me that detail, Robbie? I can. Pakistan, South Africa, and Sri Lanka, five test centuries each. Um, oh. He's got four against Bangladesh and England, three against West Indies, two against India and Australia. So, yeah, slight, slightly less against India and Australia, but you still got Pakistan, South Africa and Sri Lanka, five centuries each. So, yeah, it's... Debate close, really. Debate close. He's the guy. How long's he got left, Robbie? 97 test matches, quickly. Oh, He's 33. Yeah. Give him, give him a few years. Give him another five years of test cricket. Retire about 38. That sound about right? I'd say so. Yeah. So what do they play? About that. 10 tests a season. So that would get him another 50. So he'd get up to about 140-something one, maybe, potentially, if he's fit for all of them. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I'm just blown away by their detail. That was good. Well, I'm, just, I'm just trying I'm trying to find because there's... That's why they pay the cricket for big I, I've, I've, scroll, I've scrolled down and there's so many stats here. I think um, I think it's, it says what I'm reading it says in host country. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that means that I don't know if that's playing at home or playing you know Australia in Australia um, but there's also stats for like in Australia, in Bangladesh, in England. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Look, look on, look on Crick Info. In, in New Zealand, he's uh, he definitely seems to be the best. But yeah, he's averaging 68 at home by the looks of things. So wow. yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of breakdown there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of breakdown. A lot I just of stats. had Jared Hawada message me. <laughs> He's listening. Shout out to Jared Hawada. He was an angry human on the field. Bloody hell. He says, stop throwing out fake cricket stats and hating on <laughs> TBC legend Williamson, mate. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I got proved wrong and I love it. Yeah, tell them a boys college, eh? They've, they, they've produced a few champions. Uh, morning, fellas. I disagree with the fact they got dropped. Anyone is capable of dropping a catch. How many batters have scored centuries and been dropped once, twice, three times in an innings by top teams? A century is a century. Go the Black Caps. Mm. Cheers, John. Thanks for your text. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Uh, that's the number, Jared. If you want to get in touch with me as well, you can. <laughs> Feel free. It is 8.24 here on SCNZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land Right attachments. It is 829-0800-150-811 or double eight double three. This has just come through from Vish. Izzy, stop hating on Ratchin and Kane's tons. How many tons <laughs> did Ponting or Tendulka go on to score after they were dropped? Normally by us. Ha ha ha. Love your show, Vish. <laughs> Vish, I, was, I wasn't hating you. Everyone's come at me hard. But I, was, I was having a debate and I was asking the question, which got proven wrong. From uh, Robbie in the desk, he's played some very good cricketing nations and scored some tons. But interesting one was the two tons against Australia and India. Well, he's going to have a chance coming up to face a T20 side from Australia that have sent back uh, sent over a pretty stacked outfit. I know you sent that through to me, mm. the Rick Dog. So that looks uh, like it's going to be a pretty competitive competition. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that competition underway. Yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, today we have more cricket. You can catch live coverage from 11 o'clock right here on SENZ. That call team, led by Daniel um, McCarty, is also uh, featuring Ian Smith, John Bracewell, Jeremy Coney, and others as well. Oh, 10. Is it from 10? 
Okay, it's from 10, not from 11. Okay, thanks very much, uh, Cricket Desk. They started at 11. The Cricket Desk is uh, informing me. Uh, it is uh, 29 away from uh, 9 o'clock. Let's catch up with Arha now for news with Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It is 27 away from 9. You're on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on ECNZ. Check out the Grand Tour Hub dot, uh, at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, RAT, Paul Mawadi. Come in. You can hear us today. Oh, all systems are go. I love it. Yes. <laughs> oh, mate. Paulie Wally, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, finally got you on the airways, mate. I had a tough day yesterday. I had a mega buster bonus back uh, ready for Trenico yesterday. And uh, I missed by one leg because Magnifique came fourth instead of third. Uh, mate, so it was a good day out anyway, mate. You stay town crier, too good on the big one? Yeah, oh, and Magnific was flying as well. <laughs> um, isn't that right? Unlucky there, uh, is he? That, Four that bucks is for a top unlucky. three, it was fun. Oh, boy, boy, oh, boy. Um, no, you, but you're right, town crier toughed them out, um, went mm. to the front and just... Um, Looked headed uh, at the turn, uh, but she just fought back, kept going. Um, it was it was very very good to see. So well done to Rodden Burgesson and the team, um, and uh, we move on. We've got a, a meeting at Matamata today. And of course, we've got a, a bonus back promotion uh, on the first two races at Matamata today. Back to second and third. Um, and I'm just having a look at race two. It's a two-year-old race. Only five runners in race two. Um, and it's a bonus back race, so there's opportunities for punters to get on. The favourite there at the moment, the O'Sullivan Scott trained Zelezniak, 240 into 2.20. So uh, has looked very, very good at the trials, and I'm guessing uh, probably has a lovely long mane of hair as well, being named <laughs> Zelezniak. Does Dallas so, have a share in it? Sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but... Um, Yes, I'll be looking uh, looking forward to seeing how Gillesniak goes in race two at oh, Matamata today. And that, uh, that two-year-old, uh, there's only two they've really backed in that race. It's the favourite Zelezniak uh, at two dollars and twenty cents, and also the uh, second favourite, um, trained by uh, Ken and Bev Kelso, uh, Alabama Lass, three dollars into two seventy. Those are the two that they've come for in that two-year-old race. But I, I look further down the program and in race seven, the open handicap over 2,070 metres has a very, very strong look to it. There are a couple of former uh, Auckland Cup winners in Ocean Billy and Roger that. Um, they're uh, a wee bit further down the market. The favourite at the moment, the Lance Noble drained Terra Matika, $4 into $2.80. So a big old go there for number eight Terra Matika in race seven at Matamata today. Um, but it's a very, very good field. Asterix, uh, Mazabine, Pre de Fur, Neste, good oil. Um, so really looking forward to uh, that meeting today at Matamata. Um, I was looking at the Black Caps um, test, and it's it's all but done, to be fair. The bookies have the Black Caps at a dollar <laughs> two head-to-head. South Africa at $121 a draw at 16. Um, cool. You can still bet on the top run score in the second innings for South Africa or the top wicket taker for the Black Caps in the second innings. For the Black Caps, Matt Henry, the favourite there at 375. Uh, Mitch Santner is at 420. Cole Jameson at $4.50. He has been fairly popular uh, with punters. 
And I also had a look at, and I'll be keen to hear Ricardo's take on this, had a look at the English Premier League and the outright uh, futures markets. And I see Man City at a dollar fifty. Mm. Um, they're currently what second on the table with a game in hand, only two points uh, behind Liverpool. But does Ricardo see any value around the likes of Liverpool at three sixty to win the Premier League or Arsenal at seven dollars? I think there's value there. I just don't think either of them are quite good enough. Um, I, I yeah, like you said, Paulie, the value the value is there for a reason though, eh? You know, but I think City have got Erling Haaland back, who's been out injured, so he's pretty fresh. And they've got Kevin De Bruyne back, who's been out injured, who's only been back, what, three or four games. He's looking really good. So I've got to say, I think uh, City are, uh, are just going to be too good and they'll pull away their game in hands against Brentford uh, at City. They just beat Brentford 3-1 yesterday. They'll win that. They'll be ahead. And then uh, it'll just be how many they win by, I think. Oh, the bookies were hoping you might have a different take on that, Ricardo, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> the blue side of Manchester have been very well backed by pundits this season. So, uh, yeah, I was just hoping that you might have a uh, a wee bit of a different point of view on that. But no, the dollar fifty on Man City to win. And I guess that means that Haaland at $1.33 to be top goal scorer um, is probably the way to go. Although, mm. Mohamed Salah at seven, could he? Yeah, he could. He could, although he's injured at the moment. So it depends when he gets back. He's got a hamstring issue. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Paulie, there is always that little bit of, um, I, I don't know what you call it, that it's something in sport that is indefinable and, and you can't rate in statistics. And I wonder how up for this chase, league chase they'll be in Klopp's last season, whether that will give the Liverpool squad that intangible to get up for the title charge. Yeah, that, that's what we wanted to hear. I'm, I'm just clicking on Liverpool as we speak now, uh, Ricardo. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> They're going in a few multis for, for me today. Yeah, excellent, excellent, Paulie. Good luck. Good luck. Very Paulie, good. And good luck to you. Before we yeah, let you oh, go, Super yeah. Bowl this weekend. You got any nice promotions that you could that are coming up later in the week? And as, where's the money going? Kansas City Chiefs paying two dollars three to win. San Francisco 49ers favourite, $1.73. Yeah, and, and when this book uh, initially opened up straight after the completion of the mm. uh, conference uh, championship games, uh, these two teams were fairly close together. They were very, very hard to separate the, the bookies. But now, uh, after we've had uh, a bit of action. The 49ers have been moved. They're now two-and-a-half-point favourites against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I don't know. I just look at this and I think Patrick Mahomes, he's been here, he's done it. And, and if there was a worse place for Brock Purdy to start his mm. Super Bowl career, it would be Las Vegas, I would have thought, with all the uh, carry-on that'll be going on behind the scenes. I can tell you, punters are jumping on the Chiefs now. That $2.03 head-to-head for them to win the Super Bowl um, is just too attractive for a number. And we've taken almost four times as much money now on the Kansas City Chiefs as we have on the 49ers in that head-to-head book. So a lot of support for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can understand why they're the defending champs. Um, They've been there many, many times over the last four or five seasons. And the 49ers 
have a quarterback who's been very, very good uh, and showed us uh, in those uh, in the conference, um, the NFC conference final, that he's got some legs as well. Um, so it just adds another sort of uh, another sort of intrigue to this big, big matchup. Mm-hmm. The boys will have plenty of power plays. In fact, there are a number of power plays there already, and I'm sure there'll be quite a few boosted markets as well. And we'll look to see if we can get some sort of uh, promotion around it so that you can get stuck in too as well, Izzy. But at, my, at the moment, Patrick Mahomes has been boosted to be the Super Bowl MVP from 225 out to 245, and that has been very, very popular. You'd think if the Kansas City Chiefs do win, that he's probably going to be... Uh, MVP. If not, then it's probably going to be Taylor Swift. Well, I was going to ask you, Paulie, whether or not there's a, there's an option. I'm, I'm sure you can get this in Las Vegas, but uh, an option, Travis Kelsey to be MVP and Taylor Swift to have a number one record in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, uh, she'd be a dollar zero 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 one to have a number one record this year. So, yeah, that's a lay down to there. Uh, but as you say, Travis Kelsey, who has been uh, one of Patrick Mahomes' favourite targets this mm-hmm. season, and the deeper into the playoffs they've gone, the more and more involved he seems to be, uh, seems to have become. Um, so you you may not be too far off there in terms of Travis Kelsey and his chances to be MVP as well. Good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much, mate. We'll catch up again tomorrow, eh? Cheers, Paulie. Very good, boys. Go well. Cheers. Check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. Izzy, you got something for us? Morning. Saying Kane, I've only ever played against Bangladesh. Sounds like a fly night by night a supporter. It's like saying Izzy Dag only played and scored the tries against Canada and Tonga. That is from Mother. And please forgive me if I sounded like I was talking down our greatest batsman of all time, Kane Williamson. He is regarded for me as the GOAT. The reason I said it, I felt like as of late, and that's the latest is always in my mind, and my mm. mind doesn't go back a million years. So we've always played Bangladesh. So I asked the question, and Robbie painted the perfect picture. He has played quality teams throughout his career in 97 test matches and pretty much scored hundreds against all the top sides. So gave me the detail I needed and the clarity I needed to just put that debate to bed. And where does he sit in the grand scheme of batters in the world? And, uh, you know, I've got a... I've got a list here where you've got Sachin Tendulkar, 200 matches, 15,921 runs at an average of 53. You go right down the list, like half of the list, and that's when Kane Williamson pops up. The names that are above him, just legends, legends of the sport. Ponting, Kalastravid, You've got that list Cook, in front of you, mate. How many tests have those guys all played? Because Willis texted through saying he believes that uh, Kane's played a lot less tests than everybody else on that list. Yeah, he has played a hell of a lot less tests. Like 97 tests, top of the list. Session Tengalka has played 20, 200 matches. Ricky Ponte, 168 tests. Um, Rahul Dravid, 160. Most of them are around 150 or 120 above. Yeah. You know, so he's only 97 tests at the moment. Yeah, so a bit of, bit, of, uh, bit of room to make up and see if he gets mm. the opportunity to do it. It is 16 away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. It is breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. It's 11 away from 9 o'clock. Time to catch up uh, with the latest in love racing, loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. Uh, what do you got for us, Izzy? Yeah, just in regards to Cam from Cambridge's tip, Trump 
card has been scratched of race one, so we'll take that out. Race four, Alkenhay uh, for a win. Opie Ridden is paying $2.20 in their smoke show. Uh, at race six is paying $2.20 for a win. So he's given us a wee tip. We'll have a wee tickle flutter with that today. Uh, some big news in the racing world, and I read it from Mickey G, Mick Guerin's uh, Twitter. Well, superstar Molly Bloom has been sold to Australia. 50% of Molly Bloom has been sold to Australia. Australia could be having her farewell New Zealand star at Tarapa on Saturday after a major share in the Philly was a sold to Australian owner Aussie Care. The superstar Philly remained with trainers Lanto Sullivan and Andrew Scott until the end of the season, but there is no guarantee that it will include any more starts in New Zealand after Saturday's 175,000 Alice Classic at Tarapa. She will be staying with Scotty and I and racing in the stable colours this Saturday, says O'Sullivan. What she does there may determine the rest of her season. She has an option to target the Vinery in Sydney or even have a little break and go to Queensland for a winter campaign, which could would also be from our stable. But she won't be contesting the Derby or the Oaks here as getting Australian black type becomes crucial for her as she's already has her Group 1000 guineas and Group 2 8 carat classic. So there you go, Molly Bloom, 50% share, has been sold to Australia. Ricardo obviously mm. let us down in the three-year-old race on Caraca Millions, so we'll have to watch that space. And just quickly, Imperatriz had a trial at Cranbourne yesterday or, or the other day and it was pretty underwhelming and jockey Michael D just said look have to wait and see uh, what Imperatriz does they're looking to carry on from last year's successful spring for trainer Mark Walker winning all four of his starts including the group one champion sprint the group one Manicato stakes and the group one Moy stakes and the group two McEwen stakes so uh, Imperatriz underwhelming and it's troll, but uh, looking forward to carrying on from a pretty impressive season last year. So there's some news for you. Yeah, beautiful. Love racing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. Get amongst it. It is eight away from nine o'clock. Kimberly Downs in with us next. It is three minutes away from nine o'clock. It is going to tell you what, I have never been so happy to see Kimberly Downs in my life because <laughs> I got a message from Ruben, the boss, earlier today, and he said, mate, Louis sick. Uh, I'm putting out the SOS, but if worse comes to worse, could you do another hour? And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. But no, Kimberly Downs has come through. How are you doing? I, I mean, I was promised coffee and treats from you, Ricardo, so I don't know where that's at at this stage. <laughs> Uh, well, I've, got a, I've got a show to finish, Kimberly. Oh, no. Then I'll pop out there and you will be sorted. Don't you worry. Well, of course, pockets something up the Ricardo. Of course, yes. pockets Ricardo. Make sure he does that, Kimberly. He, he bought, he's bought me one coffee when well, I uh, was in the studio. Well, and have, have you returned the favour, though? I constantly bought coffees, Rick Dog, oh, and okay. BL, yeah, and I... Blats, or Baps, eh? Chickens, oh, uh, bacon bap. and egg Bap. The bacon egg baps are outstanding. Now I'm hungry. Thanks very much. I was actually up in Matakana um, on the weekend and got Mm. a bacon and egg bap up there. Man, it was good. Oh, yeah. Do you go go to Charlie's? No. Oh, okay. Not sure which one Charlie's is. That's right. My apologies. I'll fill you in later. My apologies to Charlie. I'll fill you in later. But uh, you have had the late call-up, so you've got... uh, What have you you got on the show? Yeah, we're rearing to go, though. We're absolutely rearing to go. Noel Barkley, because there's a lot of football around between the Phoenix and the EPL and Mm -hmm. news about Tommy Smith and Chris Wood and plenty to dig into there. We'll also be taking your calls uh, between 9.30 and 10 before we head, of course, to the Mount for the cricket. Plenty to talk about as well. I'm sure you guys have discussed with Confirmation Tony Brown going 
going to South Africa, as well as what mm. you think the Black Caps should be doing for the cricket at the moment. Question for you. Yeah. What do you make of Yako Paper's um, job, new job? What's his new job? He's part of the South African coaching team. I hadn't seen that. Yeah. So you're getting instant reaction I as am. it happens, Ricardo. <laughs> Live reaction. Fascinating. Uh, and, mm. what, and what sort of coaching role? They've called him in an advisory capacity, but he is part of the Springboks coaching team with Tony Brown, uh, Dwayne Vermeulen is a roving coach, and uh, also Jerry Flannery, the Irish hooker, is the defence coach. But presumably his role more so than, co- well, his coaching capacity will be more about making sure these guys are playing to the rules of the game as it's being currently refereed. Or, yeah. Interpretations of the laws, or, you know, again, the referee's point of view. Or, or what? Or, or hey, as a referee, what can't you see? What can't you see? What can you do that the referee right, won't so see? So at the breakdown, if I do this... Yeah. 100%. It is the South Africans. Come on. <laughs> Another genius move from Russell Erasmus <laughs> is all I can say. Stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be a big hour with Kimberly Downs. Up next, here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range.